Ali, hello. Welcome to Uva Ball Raw USA. I'm Gary Otto. We've got Uva Ball here with us. Welcome. Hi. So it's very early for you, but you're still fit to do the. <laughs> yeah, I, I wake up really early. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're waking up also early because we have to bring Walter to school. So from this point, <laughs> we're, we're the same. And now where I'm doing the film in New York, we I have like basically uh, in like three hours it starts. Then it's New York, nine o'clock, nine thirty. So they, I have to do a lot of job interviews for the crew positions. Um, uh, at this time, then every day, uh, I'm flying to New York on February 27th, and then I have one week <clears throat> where I'm physically there for prep, rehearsals, uh, a tech survey, and location uh, stuff. And um, so I have to hire the crew basically uh, the whole time we are, uh, yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about? <clears throat> can you tell us about what the film is about? Yeah, so it's uh, the the title is First Shift, and it's uh, the story of a police officer who um, has a uh, had a like not so good past, like his daughter died, the wife left him, whatever, and he's working without a partner for a long time, and now he gets a new partner if he wants or not, like the police chief insists on it, and then he. Uh, gets the new partner, Angela, uh, who also doesn't have an easy time, but she's not from New York. So she came into New York to basically escape from something else. And then we follow them through one shift, like to like one shift where a lot of things happen from heart attacks to murder, uh, to suicide, to a lot of like uh, uh, situations they have to go through. Uh, also some personal uh, situations. And that is the film. Okay. So, you know, and it, I, I think it is, uh, it has uh, heartbreaking elements, funny elements, uh, very brutal elements. Um, and I felt like to do a film also where I want to, want to integrate New York. I want to integrate uh, like the atmosphere in the city the, the different, I mean, we mostly would shoot in Brooklyn. And, and so, you know, so I, I have a good feeling about it. Um, and a lot of actors applying. So we hear the, the opposite happens here as for 12 hours in, in South Africa, where I couldn't get an actor. Yeah. You know, I offered a lot, a lot of money to get an actor to South Africa to do that action film. And it didn't happen. And I cannot spend so much money without a big star. And now in New York, people applying, they know they're not getting a lot of money, but people applying with, with a, a lot of very, very good credit. You know, and uh, I think also because TV is now the real business, TV and streaming, um, I will have actors that are very well known in the TV and streaming world. And I'm not going for this old-fashioned... Uh, like be movie actors or, uh, you know, and, and that is the thing. It's like, I think it mixed up now and the real money is in streaming and TV. 
and uh, so I will go for actors. They they are known for uh, for some bigger TV shows where uh, they were regulars, uh, uh, regular stars or co-stars on on TV shows. They they run for a year or two seasons or ten seasons. So you know. So and I'm very excited about it. I think that's the right way also for in the future to go. And uh, the classical B names or the the classical DVD names are basically now worthless. Yeah. You know, I mean, to say it like, I don't want to name individual people now, but a lot of people had in my films, they are basically uh, not, they are not good for TV and streaming sales. And it's better to go for people that were in hit streaming or TV uh, shows and, and go for them to, yeah. Well, it sounds like you've got a real strategy and I yes, hope that everything you know. goes good. Yeah, I mean, we will see. You know, it's not easy, of course. New York has a lot of regulations, and there's the SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, and, and, and uh, yeah, uh, more unions as in Eastern Europe or in South Africa. But we will all handle it, and it, it will all be good. Ari Taub is doing uh, from Hit and Run Productions in Brooklyn. I did even 25 years ago, I met Ari the first time here. Uh, we did a cigarette spot together, Pal Mal, a cigarette advertising spot. And then he organized the New York shoots from Alone in the Dark 2, where I was uh, uh, the producer, and uh, where and the South on Wall Street. So we came with Dominic Purcell and Edward Forlong to, to New York. He pulled that off too. Everything worked fine. So I'm very optimistic about this. You know, excellent, I, excellent. Yeah, so, that, so and then, then it's the start of the year with full of energy. So in the first quarter, we will have already... Uh, uh, basically uh, the first film in the can and then let's see you know what i can push forward over the year but i'm definitely let's say energized and and uh, that i want to do english speaking films again and mo moving on so yeah. you know and not not trying like in, i tried here two and a half years now in germany i was very a lot of times close to get like a, a streaming deal, like to get the money to produce something. But also after all this kind of, in the last second, it fell apart here, it fell apart there. They didn't confirm here, whatever. Uh, it's not worth it. You know, if, if you finally get a German speaking film financed, uh, it's still like you work your ass off and then the film will be basically only real, let's say, visible in Germany and uh, whatever, I make 50 grand and work my ass off for a year. That is bullshit. So, yeah. you know, it's better I go back to uh, America and, and do films they sell worldwide and films with people that are known worldwide in English language. So, yeah. And I mean, next week, maybe I can tell you uh, the first two or three actors who are, who are in it. Uh, but we're going through everything. We have to also uh, finish the shooting schedule because there's a lot of actors, as you can imagine, only the two cops are in the whole film. The rest of the time, it's like you need a guy for a day. Or yeah. you need a guy for a day. And then even if you go for more form famous people or like known people for the little parts, uh, they still have to confirm that they can do that day. And they don't want to confirm that too early because it could be that they're getting booked for two weeks somewhere else. And now they said, oh, I do that one day on March 20 for you. And now they have to get out of it. 
Yeah. You know, it's it's better to to cast that small uh, parts uh, later. So, and um, yeah, and I mean, then look, my German podcast, you've got all the drama. So it's like, so oh, yeah, I heard about like, this. I saw this. Yeah. So maybe an Uberball Raw from time to time, I just have to do a, a, a German a German podcast. So you know that I talk alone and we release it all over. Well, why don't you give a message in German for the German listeners out there? Uh, what do you have to say? <laughs> yeah, you know, I say it first in English that people understand it in a way, but then I can translate also in German. And, and so, um, no, it was like, I think uh, Kai Blasberg, I did in, in Germany that uh, podcast, uh, Blasberg, uh, Blasberg, for two and a half years, 140 episodes. Uh, I don't even know how many episodes we have. From oh, I don't know. I know we have yeah. a couple thousand hours of yeah. content. Yeah, we do it longer already. And, and so, and then, I think he got tired of it. He didn't want to do it anymore. It was also like always on a Saturday morning to tape it. it went, so he was already not really into it anymore. He told me. And then we got in a dispute uh, in our last show on Saturday. What he will now not release. So that show will be unreleased. And then I'm, I'm a little mad about this because I, I still think if you finish a podcast, you have to do a final episode. You have to you have to tell your fans or the subscribers like why you stopped doing it. He doesn't want to do it, so I posted on YouTube a video about it and, and said what I what what I think the problem is, and it got harsher on the Ukraine war subject where we both talk about it too the whole time, but. Uh, he had a, he has different opinions about it. You know, he thinks with a criminal like Putin, you cannot negotiate, you cannot do a deal, etc. He should go to jail or he should get killed, whatever. And I said that 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 is fantasy, and that in the history we basically did deals with thousands of people, thousands of dictators, and still the if you go on the planet Earth through country by country. I think people will see that 50% of the countries at least are dictatorships or monarchies or criminal rulers, whatever, right? So, and uh, I don't understand why now on the Ukraine thing that Putin, who has the biggest nuclear bomb arsenal in the, on the planet, you know, they have more nuclear bombs as the US and uh, that we start now bringing the peace, the overall peace in the Western world into danger because we're overdoing it with the Ukraine. You know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you know, we, leave, we deliver weapons and weapons and weapons and keep the, keep the, the war boiling up and, and uh, you know, and, and this kind of thing. And I think we should, we should force them all to the negotiation table and we should force them all to, uh, um, to make... a deal even if the ukraine has to give up something i mean sorry but i mean the, the thing is also all military experts now basically say that the ukraine cannot win the war what i think we both say since the beginning of the war and that because russia is now really manufacturing hard very fast hard in like 24 7 they manufacture bombs and ammunition in russia for a longer time now and uh, over the winter now they were able 
to uh, defend their positions, gain even some territories here and there. And because they're bringing just more manpower and more weapons, as the Ukrainians can. You know, even if we sent them 100 tanks, the Russians sent 1,000 tanks. Yeah. So we don't have so many weapons. We, we basically, especially the EU, uh, we don't have so many weapons to keep that uh, war going for the next five years and ship every month weapons for 10 billion bucks into the Ukraine. It doesn't happen if we don't have it. So and this alone should uh, uh, should force Zelensky to the uh, negotiation table. Um, so that we never come in that situation that he really runs out of ammunition, that he really runs out or, or out of weapons, because then Russia will take Ukraine. And that is the thing what, what I don't want. You know, I want peace now. I, I don't want to wait. And I mean, a lot of experts say it's a long wearing war and the war will continue. And uh, it will take a long time, like years, before the parties will sit down and negotiate. They would start negotiating when when they can when, when both of them cannot like gain anything anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but if it's already visible that that is the end scenario, why then we keeping it going till the end scenario happens? Why not skipping all the bullshit in the middle and say, look, if this is the end scenario, let's deal now with it before in two in the next two years another 200 billion bucks are burned, 200,000 people are dead, and 50 cities are to totally destroyed. Why can we not learn from the past that the, the, the war is always ending like a shit show? Yeah. So, I don't get it. It's like you know? realism versus idealism. Yes. You cannot make the world because you have a moral compass and the world that doesn't fit in your personal moral compass. Right? Yeah. You know, no, I, I agree. Yeah. And that is the thing, you know, and we have here, I said it to him then on the, on the meeting too. I said it's, it's completely unrealistic to think the Ukraine will win the war, throws the Russians out, and the Russians say, oh, fuck, we lost. That is totally unrealistic. It will never happen. Well, I think that it's a shame that that podcast, Ball and Blastberg, has called it quits because I think that you guys had a really great odd couple kind of chemistry yeah. where like both of you had differing opinions and it made it more interesting that way. So that's yeah. a shame. It's a shame. Yeah. yeah. You know, that is also uh, uh, the reason that I'm not like, I cannot make a podcast completely alone. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's boring, right? And it gets boring, and then you do a monologue. I prefer them to continue with the YouTube videos from time to time. You know, when I want to say something in a monologue, but it's like ten to twenty minutes. It's not like an hour. So, and then you say your opinion about something. Uh, what is what is like a burning question at that point, and that is it. So that I will continue, and then we continue with with Uboro, and from time to time I will make a, a German. Uh, uh, episode about it, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and sounds uh, good. Sounds good. Yeah. So Donald Trump is full on in the in the run, basically. Yeah, Donald Trump is doing his his uh, rallies again. Yeah, and yeah. he is saying that uh, World War Three is coming. 
yeah, he's using that situation with the Ukraine now. Yeah, he's trying to get off people's fears. He's trying to make everybody afraid and make them jump on on his bandwagon as if he is the savior. But let's not forget that Trump is a fucking idiot. So I don't trust anything he says at face value. No, let's say he takes over tomorrow. So what he wants to do to finish that war in the Ukraine? He wants to give Russia the Ukraine? Probably. Probably. Yeah, his... I mean, that is what I would expect. He has a Putin friend, right? He still has the P-tapes from him. So what I would expect is that Trump would not support the Ukraine anymore if he's president. And then, like, Putin would need another year uh, to take it. Because the, yeah. Ukraine would still, the Ukraine would still get the full support from uh, other countries, like from the European countries, for example. They would not cut the support for Ukraine, you know. But what I think where Trump would be better, as a, in my opinion, it's time to negotiate, you know. And I think Trump would definitely try to negotiate that and would, would move things forward. And uh, uh, that, I think, is absolutely necessary. And I know that, Putin, that Biden hates Putin so much that he doesn't want to negotiate. He doesn't want to move it forward. He prefers to, to, to send more and more weapons to Zelensky. And I think that is, uh, that is, yes, I would also support the Ukraine, of course. I would not like stop any support and let them die. That I would not do. But I would also, behind the press, uh, you know, that nobody would get would get it. I would grab the, the phone and would give Putin a chance to get out of it without getting killed in Russia. Yeah. You know, Putin knows he made a mistake. I think Putin is ready to negotiate, but of course he wants to keep his face, right? So he doesn't want to look like the total loser. And uh, uh, I, I think to give him something and stop the killing, stop the money spending, stop the whole, putting the whole world in danger, stop putting the whole world also in a recession, uh, I think it, it would help everybody to uh, bite the bullet in a way, you know, that even Zelensky, what do you want? You want 80% of your country, but you can rebuild it, what is destroyed, and everything goes back to normal, and 10 million Ukrainian women and small children who are all now in West, Western Europe uh, can go back to their husbands. You want this, or you want everything destroyed and have the next five years of war and then the whole country is destroyed until then every single uh, uh, person with a brain left the Ukraine because they don't want to die. Yeah. So, you know, and that is the thing. It's, it's like, um, for me, it would be never an alternative, to be honest, in, especially in today's time, to fight for a country. I mean, I would accept any deal uh, to, to not fight for a country. I'm not going in the trenches and run like over a minefield and throw grenades into other people's faces. It can't, that, that is for me a no-go zone anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just like, it's not the, the world 
I want to live in and not the world I want to solve problems with. And it's, it's, uh, it's completely idiotic. I would, to be honest, let's say there would be only Uber balls in Ukraine. Now the Russians marching in, right? Before I die, I just let them march in and say, so, and now, welcome in Ukraine. You just took us over. We are 45 million Ukrainian people. So tell us what we have to do, how we want to pay our rent. You know, like I would totally try to get the air out of it because Russia knows also because they came. You remember when they came in the beginning, they said, we have to take the Nazis out of Ukraine. The Ukrainians love us. The people will love us. We're coming to Ukraine. So they, they, the Russians made that uh, public relations stunt basically saying they're coming to free the Ukraine. So that didn't work at all. So, and uh, we're not in the days of slavery anymore where a country takes another country over and then they make them, all the Ukrainians are like chained up slaves or something. It also would not happen. In reality, it would be taking the violence out, but at the same time, you have the civil not following things and then the Russians would be totally frustrated with the situation. You know, because of course they cannot do mass mass executions uh, uh, in Europe like like this. You know, it's it's not a, a Darfur here. It's it's like Ukraine and Russia. There are also brother states, right? All the Ukrainians speak Russian, so they speak Ukrainian, but the, all of them speak also Russian. So I mean, it's it's just like uh, uh, the fighting per se is a wrong decision in general. Yeah. I mean, of course, now they, when they're getting attacked and somebody shoots, I understand the Ukrainians, they with full force defending themselves. I, ex I, I, uh, I'm not exclusionary. Let's talk here gets, gets, uh, gets done. But I would expect that, that even a Zelensky at one point would think it's not worth it. You know, it's you will, we'll have to see if cooler heads will prevail. Yeah, you know, no, yeah, but, but coming back to Trump, so I read that Pompeo is maybe running, Mike Pence, and uh, our Florida uh, uh, governor. So, uh, oh god, the DeSantis, right? DeSantis, so, yeah, DeSantis. so, uh, I mean, Pompeo and Pence have no chance against Trump, yeah, then Trump will be the candidate again. So if DeSantis is not running, if these are the other two candidates, then it's it's over. Trump will be again the the nominated person. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree. Pence has not very much of the vote right now. No, he's too uh, unspectacular. You know, he's 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 a very more calm guy. I have to say, I have nothing against Pence. You know, being like, uh, it's it's better he, he is the presidential nominee uh, as, as Trump. hundred times better. Yeah. Because you know? at least he's somewhat sane. Trump is yeah. absolutely yeah. out of his mind, yeah. if you ask I mean, me. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. You know, it's, it's like definitely way better. I think Pompeo is also kind of an idiot. Uh, uh, what he did as a, a minister of foreign affairs... He lied. Uh, he did poor propaganda and everything. Uh, it's ridiculous. And uh, but he's at least younger as as Trump. Trump is seventy six. He will be like 
almost 78. He will be like that age for the Biden. How old is Biden? Is he also 76 or is he 78 already or something? Let's see. Biden's age. He is 80 years old. Oh, yeah. See? That's a disaster. That is a disaster. And, so uh, let's see in other news. Let's see what's yeah. going on. Mass shootings uh, all over the U.S. Killing of people all over the U.S. Endless bullshit, you know. Yeah, a lot of shootings. Um, it looks like... Let's see. Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> it's the same old stuff, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's like almost like... Uh, uh, now I know why Kai Blasberg doesn't want to do the podcast anymore in Germany because it's kind of like you look through the news and it's like an endless trauma bullshit where the same bullshit continue. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's like uh, the big trends are um, yeah, visible that we're not doing the right decisions for the planet Earth and that people are totally... Uh, uh, stupidly um, making the same mistakes over and over and over again. I think it's because there's too many distractions. Like people are so immersed in their cell phones and their video games that they can't see the world as it is right in front of their face and that it's crumbling. You know, they, they, they're, they're so focused on these distractions that they can't even put, they can't put thought where it actually matters. Yeah. You look today China told to the US that they think the US is guilty of keeping the war going from the Ukraine with all their weapons. Oh. Uh, uh, and they they think they should not interfere with other countries uh things. You know, the same of course China says Taiwan is part of China and uh They've threatened to invade Taiwan, as we know, right? And the U.S. is delivering weapons to Taiwan so they can defend themselves. And China says, uh, we cannot have you cross that red line. It's part of China. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of like, what are you triggering with behavior like this? Are you triggering that they then invade Taiwan? You know, because like, you mix yourself into the inner politics of China, as an example. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe maybe they don't invade Taiwan if you just let it the way it is right now, and you don't put gasoline in the fire in uh, selling Taiwan weapons for fifty billion bucks. Yeah, you know, because it makes, of course, that makes them extremely aggressive. So uh, and that is the thing. It's, you know, it's, I, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things that could be discussed back and forth and back and forth. But uh, I don't think it's, it's always the best idea to be the world police. <laughs> You're right. America does think they're the world police, huh? Yes, it was always like this. And, but what would be, I, I brought a, as an example, uh, you know, what, let's say the invasion of Iraq, 
what was also kind of a crime, what Bush Jr. did in the second Iraq war. You know, because Saddam had nothing to do with 9-11. So now he goes to Iraq and he gets the Russians give to Saddam Hussein all the heavy weapons and like feeding them the weapons so that they, Saddam is fighting back against the U.S. And the U.S. is not taking Iraq so easily over. It, it's stretched out over a year of fighting. You think the Americans would not told Russia at that point, if you don't stop delivering weapons to Saddam Hussein, we will bomb you. I think they would did that. I, I think the, the Americans would actually give Russia an ultimatum to stop delivering the weapons or they will uh, completely go against Russia. You know, maybe not directly on Russian territory, but they would bump, bump like Russian ships, would shut down any Russian travel. They would like destroy or try to destroy Russia or damage Russia so hard that Russia would stop delivering the weapons to Saddam Hussein. So now look what the Russians are doing uh, against the West. Nothing. You know, right yeah. now. They do nothing. They just look and try to handle the situations themselves. They're very mad with the EU and the Americans giving so many weapons to the Ukrainians. They're very mad about it, but they're not doing anything. They're not like attacking us or whatever, sanctioning us where they can. So they just handle the situation, you know, but, but it's the same situation. And we always think because we are the West and we are, are the rich countries, we always think we can command everybody around who is uh, uh, not so powerful in regards of money and economy. So that is my opinion about it. It's like it's, uh, we, I always try to see the other side too. And yeah. not, not only our side. Of course, I stand on our side, but I'm always trying to, uh, you know, I'm always trying to to see the other side too. So. so let's see. Let's see the other news that's out there. Um, <clears throat> let's see. The Las Vegas strip resorts are being sued because they use an algorithm to change the prices of the hotel rooms. What algorithm? I so thought like when you book and they feel you have more money, you have to pay more money or what? Or what is it? They use a third-party vendor to illegally fix prices. The complaint alleges that casino giants MGM Resorts and Caesars Entertainment, along with Treasure Island and Wynn Resorts, shared information with a company that used pricing algorithms to maximize market-wide prices. It accuses the resorts and the Rainmaker Group Unlimited uh, of algorithmic driven price fixing at the expense of consumers and it's in violation of antitrust laws. So basically if there was like a concert in the area where they knew that everybody really was going to be in town, the prices would go up, you know, uh, or like on new year's Eve, the prices would go up. So somebody's suing them saying that it needs to be, uh, down, down the line, the same price year wide. So let's see how that goes, huh? Yeah, that would be interesting, actually, but I don't know how that will end. So uh, they'll probably lose, I bet. But 
Yeah. By the way, I've started watching, remember the Twitter I did about The Last of Us, where I tweeted, Postal is the best video game. Yeah, of course. That got us <laughs> and, a lot of... Uh, yeah, hits. so that I'm, I'm, in, I'm now watching The Last of Us. <laughs> and it's a very good show. Right, oh. it's, it's it's a TV series. It's not a film, so it's also hard to compare because as a TV series, you can dig deeper into the the characters and you can tell the stories longer. Uh, so, but it's definitely a well-made show. Uh, I I found Silent Hill was also a good video game uh, based production, and uh, the first movie, the first yeah, Silent Hill, first was good, the, the others not, and. Uh, so The Last of Us doesn't come really across as a video game-based film at all. It's basically a pandemic film, right? Because there is the fungus, what comes into every human body who they can get in, and the fungus eats you out of life. It's basically people turning into kind of zombies, and then the whole world goes, there are in the first episode already massive uh, time jumps of 20 years so they, they show basically how the disease starts and it gets out of control and then they jump forward 20 years later how the whole world is completely fucked up by it. So like, like, like the, the Walking Dead and um, good acting and uh, uh, our Bill Williamson Rampage, Brandon Fletcher is in it. Yeah, I saw that. Brendan Fletcher is in it. Yeah, he plays only a little part in a way, but he's doing good jobs there. Uh, I think he died relatively quickly. But uh, uh, no, it's a very good show. And uh, But still, I would not compare it to Postal. Postal is totally different. Uh, and uh, But Postal is still better. No, of course. I mean, but, <laughs> because Postal is more like a visionary totally never done before and never done after comedy. Like where you have so many, uh, uh, it reflects the best, I think, the total absurdity of our existence. That is Absolutely. what I feel about Postal. And, and I don't think any other uh, show can do this. It's, it's just like uh, uh, totally different. But I don't want to say this show is not good. Or it's a great show. Very well done. Uh, I enjoy to watch it, of course. So, uh, you know, and then we're watching also like uh, Yellowstone almost as a binge watching now with Kevin Costner. And uh, did you watch Yellowstone? Did you saw this? Which, uh, I hadn't the, seen it. Which service? The Yellowstone, that Western, like the Dutton Ranch. It's on Paramount Plus. On Paramount. Okay, I'll have to check it out an AMC or whatever. So it's like basically Dallas, similar like Dallas playing now under cowboys in Montana in a way. But of course, they're rich rangers now and uh, they're all fighting against each other. Um, you know, they want to build a casino, but they want to de defend the ranch. So, but it's old fashioned. It's not political correct in a way. It's not like... Uh, you know, like sucking up to the Vogue culture at all. And I yeah. think that's why the people love that show because it's like, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a classy, classy, classical thing where men are men and women are women. You know, you don't have this kind of like diversity. They're white guys mostly. 
you know so it's it's like uh, uh, you know when the, when the amazon and netflix when they plan productions like okay you need an asian you need a black you need a black lead <laughs> you, you know you need you need a handicapped person you need a, whatever transgender you need all of this and you need a lesbian person a gay person and that is like so bad in a lot of shows now it's destroying the whole shows and, yeah and, you know i hate that shit and uh, because it's so on the nose now, also in all that superhero films, how they cast everything. It's so pissing me off. You know, it's not about the characters anymore, the best storytelling. And Yellowstone is, is a very much antidote against it. And that is refreshing. That is why I like it. And then you have, uh, um, it's very violent. And that is also the thing what is completely unrealistic that, that it comes across in a way, very realistic, but it, it, it doesn't. It's too much murder and too violent that they would be all in jail already. You know, <laughs> but it makes it fun. It makes it fun to watch because it's not like Dallas or Denver Clan or all that old-fashioned shows they were in a, 20 years ago in, in TV. It's it's really more about uh, um, yeah. It, it it goes it goes like it gets really brutal. And, you know, and that is cool. Yeah, but, that makes me want to watch it. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's really like I totally enjoy watching it. And uh, I can only recommend it. And that they so they did two shows, 1883 and 1923. The 1923 is with Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. And the other one is with Faith Hill and uh, the, the country, another country singer. Uh, so they basically did the prequels to Yellowstone to see how they came and found the ranch in the Wild West, you know, on a track of immigrants. Uh, they went there and built it, uh, 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 built it the, uh, uh, the situation. And then, you know, built it the ranch and, and uh, fought the natives and whatever. And it's really good done. It's, it's like the other shows are also very good. And uh, so it's a lot of seasons then, right? You can watch five or six seasons and you see the whole story from 1888 or whatever till today uh, about huh. the Dutton family turning into the big ranchers uh, they are. So, yeah. I can't yeah, remember. everybody has to check that out on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, so now you can get your breakfast. We're done for today to my German <laughs> fans. Hallo, hört einfach Uwe Boll Raw und von Zeit zu Zeit machen wir äh, dann Deutsch, Deutsch Uwe Boll Raw. So, yeah, yeah. that's it. So, and then, uh, yeah, hopefully next show I can tell you even more about the New York shoot. Yes, yes. Everybody, please follow us on Twitter. I'm Gary Otto Zero. Uwe Ball is there as Uwe Ball 7. So make sure you follow us and make sure that you retweet the show if you support this wonderful program that you are listening to right now. Absolutely. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody.